you're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play, please go to our show page and leave a review. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing how to improve your relationships using the acronym TRUST. Today's guest on the Self-Made Strategies podcast is Ken Schur, founder of Schur Coaching. Hey, Ken, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. We really appreciate your time. And uh, you're the first executive coach to come on the show, so I'm a little interested to see where, <laughs> what direction this goes in and how much coaching I'll need after and, this episode. And the first one of the new decade, too. That's first true. Guest. That's true. First guest of 2020. That's Very right. Exciting. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks. And uh, looking forward to, to hearing not only about your coaching business, but um, your experience working with uh, major Fortune 200 companies. You've led three Johnson & Johnson sales training and leadership development teams, including one global organization, and your experiences have helped you to address a myriad of business challenges both in and out of the healthcare market. Previously, Ken was the vice president Um, of executive coaching services with Velocity Advisory Group, a fast-growing consulting firm specializing in coaching, strategic planning, and workshops and training. Ken continues to partner with Velocity Advisory Group to support their clients in various ways, including as an executive coach. Ken's approach when it comes to executive coaching or career coaching is based on quickly developing a professional and personal connection that allows the client to be open and honest about their challenges regarding both personal development and business issues. From there, Ken works with clients to map out an action plan for success that's both practical and useful in day-to-day business operations. If you want more information or to hear more about Ken, just visit www.surecoaching.com. That's S-H-E-R coaching.com to learn more about how coaching can help you. So on today's episode, we're going to get to know Ken a little bit more, hear more about the strategies you can use to improve your business operations from Ken, discuss coaching solutions as a whole, and explore the best ways to improve your efficiency as an executive or entrepreneur. So Ken, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started with Sure Coaching, why you started the organization, and the types of individuals and organizations you tend to work with? Okay, great. Well, I really have to start with my Johnson and Johnson days because mm-hmm. those were my formative years, my formative <laughs> professional years. Um, I started out at J and J as a sales rep. Um, I moved up pretty quickly into sales management. I was a marketing manager, marketing director, and then I was a sales director. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I led those different learning um, and development organizations. And Johnson and Johnson, besides uh, Band-Aids and baby powder, is known (laughs) for leadership development. And uh, I feel very fortunate. I got it growing up in the company. And then I was leading uh, departments where we designed, developed, and delivered leadership development training to different levels of J&J. Unfortunately, after almost 25 years of the company, at 52 years old, with two kids in college, I got laid off, Mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of people in the pharmaceutical world did. And it it was a pretty devastating time, to be honest with you. I... um, uh, it was really knocked for a loop. It took me some time to get out of it. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that because I know a lot of people go through it, and I think it's important to share that with people so they know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that what they're feeling and going through is normal. 
and while I was out of work, once I did kind of get my wits about me again, um, I realized that the job search world was totally different than what it was 25 years before that. And I had to learn about LinkedIn and I had to learn about building a good resume and behavioral style interview questions. And um, I, I learned all that and I did pretty well with it. In fact, in my 50s, I got three other jobs before I started my own firm. Wow. Um, one was as a consultant, one was then with Velocity, and then I was working for Bristol Myers Squibb. And it was there that I realized I really had had enough corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> it just wore me out. I threw up the flag. Hey, they won. Corporate America beat me. <laughs> um, but what I also realized is that I had a lot to offer. All those years of of personal, professional development, I knew uh, I could help other people. In fact, when I was out of work, I was helping people with their career development, with getting back uh, through career, tr career transition themselves. Mm -hmm. And then even beyond that, once they got into a role, I felt people were calling on me and asking me for advice on how to handle different leadership situations. So I decided to strike out on my own about four years ago, and uh, very happy I have. I haven't looked back since. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and... Interestingly enough, you also now do a lot in the in the philanthropic world, so to speak, with Great Careers PHL, mm -hmm. a nonprofit organization. Shout out to them, which you support in doing some speaking engagements and helping people who are going through a career transition mm -hmm. get over that hump and find the right position for themselves. Yes, yeah, I, you know, one thing I I know is that people in career transition one of the biggest fears is financial right. and they don't feel like they have money to spend or invest in themselves. They just need to find their next job. My mother raised me not to turn away from people who need help. So uh, I found a way that I could give back through the uh, Philadelphia area great careers group. Um, and we have regular meetings mm -hmm. and help people mm -hmm. through all the things I discussed in terms of career transition. Yeah, that's a, that's great. And and thank you both for sharing your story, but also for the support that you do on the back end with the community that is sort of struggling to go from what, between jobs, as they say, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, so going now back to Sure Coaching and talking about those types of organizations and individuals that you typically work with, what do they look like? Well, I, I, it's interesting because I, I have a wide range of industries and a wide range of people that I work with. So I, I work with people in the insurance industry, in mm -hmm. the construction industry. Um, I work with um, people in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, and then it all goes from either first-time managers who, you know, it's a big change going from an individual contributor to all of a sudden leading people and trying to get things done through other people. Right. Um, I've worked with some people who are struggling in their leadership role. And those, those are not quite as much because companies don't want to invest in someone who they don't feel is going to make it. Right. Um, and then I work with people who are in current role and they have, uh, they have potential and the company wants to make sure that they reach that potential. So it really does cover the gamut of industries and, um, tenure and experience and um, expertise. Cool. And so what's your main coaching methodology and how do you best help entrepreneurs to grow? You know, one of the things that I think is, um, is most important, you know, beyond entrepreneurship even, is to be authentic mm -hmm. and to be true to yourself, which is why I did develop that trust model that I'll get into, I'm sure. So I think the first thing is people need to do the right thing by themselves. They can't do something for, you know, to live up to someone else's expectation. They can't 
do something just to make money. Uh, I think there needs to be meaning and they need to believe in what they're doing. I find a lot of times in coaching people that they try to make it too complicated and try to come up with, um, I don't know, the next iPhone or the next uh, you know, Coca-Cola type campaign that's just going to dominate the marketplace. When in fact, first of all, you don't need that to be successful. And secondly, it's just not who they are. So I think the first thing we try to do is identify who they are. It's actually kind of a personal brand type exercise. So who are you? What do you stand for? What are your values? Uh, what are your goals, not only for your life, but for your clients and for the marketplace? Hmm. That's very interesting. So w- when you're prying that out of someone, so to speak, uh, and they're having a difficulty kind of finding themselves, for lack of a better term, what tools do you usually use aside from the um, your trust system that we'll talk about in a little bit? But what other tools do you use to kind of help them to figure out what those intangible parts of them are right well you know it's interesting you say that because i'm uh i'm starting to use a new tool that i actually have done on myself which is uh i think it's always a good thing to do uh and it's a personal branding tool Mm -hmm. and what it entails is sending out a survey to uh as many people as you want in different aspects of your life colleagues former colleagues peers competitors customers family members friends and um they get a series of values a series of skills, a series of um, different areas that you're asked to um, rank a top eight or top 10 on how you see that person. And coming out of that is how you can then develop uh, a clearer picture of how other people see you. At the same time, you're de- I'm, I did the same survey to see how my perception of me stacks up against other people. So it's interesting from that. It's a little scary, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it also helps you to, to know how you're perceived and also make any adjustments you might need. Yeah, and it's a good constructive way to get some feedback from other people. And, and to your point, a lot of times we live with the narrator inside of our own heads, for mm. lack of a better term, and we're walking around with this perception of who we are and what we think we are. I always think to myself, um, and these these uh, this podcast is is uh, generally uh, no holds barred, so I generally think to myself, you know, the asshole that's walking around, and that might be me, but the asshole that's walking around doesn't know he's an asshole, right? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah. You, know, you just never know it. Who that is, and it and it could be there. There have been times in my life where, and actually, when I went through career transition, I think that's a time where it happens most. Or in the entrepreneurial world, I'm sure is when you're trying to figure out what direction you're going to, where you start to question, "Wow, I thought I was this person, but I keep getting these messages from outside that maybe I am that asshole." <laughs> <laughs> wow, how did that happen? <laughs> Just two assholes on a podcast, so. um, and that's a, that could be a title. <laughs> That's a, that's a good show, I think. Yeah, we might might have something there. Um, that also kind of leads into the proverbial imposter syndrome, which a lot of entrepreneurs and, and C-suite people suffer from on a constant basis, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you help people get get past that imposter syndrome? Yeah. You know, and that is, it's very real and it's, it's everybody does go through it. And uh, first of all, I think the name is what it is. It's an imposter itself, right? <laughs> uh, because your mind will can tell you whatever you want, you know, whatever it wants you to be. You will be whatever your mind tells you. Yeah. Um, it's funny when you you mentioned the uh, your asshole statement before. <laughs> uh, my wife had read this book. Uh, this guy was going on the spiritual journey to find himself, and 
the opening line of the book was that voice in my head is an asshole. And I, I just love that because that's one of the things I sometimes will tell my clients. That voice is not, it's yeah, not real. Yeah, it's not yeah, that's true. true. That's true. Um, sometimes what we'll do is I'll have them say it out loud. Just tell me, just no holds bar. What is it that you're afraid of? You know, what is it that you think about yourself that's that's not true? And just by speaking the words out loud, you realize how ridiculous it is. You know, oh, I'm not as good as they think I am. Well, you have a 20-year career of success in this marketplace, in this business, um, to say otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to lose everything. Well, really? I mean, are you really going to lose? Are you going to be living in the street? I mean, what's the <laughs> worst case scenario? And I think a lot of times just talking them out is helpful. Another thing I'll have my clients do is, is have a, some introspective time and, and write down all the successes you've had in your life. Write down all the things you're really good at. And, and some clients even will carry that around with them to remind themselves of it when they do go have those doubts enter into their mind. That's a nice useful tool, I think, focused more on the positive aspects of what they've done and remembering it's a line from the movie Rounders. I don't remember the line verbatim, unfortunately, but it's, it's basically uh, Matt Damon's walking into a game and he says, you know, frequently most players, poker players, because that's what the movie's about, don't remember the big wins that they've had, mm. but they remember with acute accuracy <laughs> the, the colossal, you know, defeats. Mm. And even sometimes the small defeats really just follow you around and are constantly yeah. nagging at you, right? Right. And, and you know, too, though, if you think about it, we all have, you know, whether it's on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, things that we think are just, oh, I can't, that was so embarrassing. But if you now think back, tell me five years ago, the most embarrassing thing that happened to you that you right. thought you would never get over, right? Right. And people rarely can even remember them right. uh, that's a good about point. themselves, that's let alone point. about somebody else. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. And uh, to your point there, I think subtextually as well, a lot of times people are so focused on themselves and this isn't, you know, we were talking about this off air before we even uh, hit the record button, but humans are inherently kind of a selfish creature, right? Mm -hmm. So we're constantly always worried internally, what are other people thinking about me? But most likely they're just worried about themselves <laughs> as well, right? We're right. all worried yes. about, about our own um, presence. Right. Um, and, and you know, Tony, I'm sorry to interrupt, but from an entrepreneurial point of view, mm -hmm. if if you allow that to to dominate your thought process that, oh, I'm not good enough to do this or to try this, or who do I think I am being in this marketplace competing against these other people, then you're not going to be successful. You right. That's a great point. You're already shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, um, a lot of times, if you think about it, even those people got started or those organizations got started somewhere. Mm -hmm. And Maybe this is just your origin story, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is where you begin your colossal mm -hmm. empire. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's a, another story I often will tell about um, about driving a car, right? Who, whoever, you know, you don't jump in the car and all of a sudden you know what you're doing. Right. Uh, I, I recall being in the car with my 15-year-old friends in the back seat, driving with our instructor, Jack Riley. I was the first one behind the wheel and I'm behind him and he had this whole process to go through and I'm... I'm going and I'm feeling like, okay, I got this. I got this. We're moving. This is great. Until uh, Mr. Riley said to me, uh, Ken, you're doing great, but would you mind stepping on the gas and catching up to that tortoise that just passed <laughs> us? <laughs> and I realized I needed to keep working on it. But my point is that everything we're good at 
at some point we weren't good at. That's a great point. Right. We don't start with the uh, full playbook and the, the full experience. Exactly. All right. So shifting now to that acronym TRUST, which stands for Transparency, Results, Understanding, Simplify, and Team. Can you give us a brief explanation about what each of those elements includes, sort of a cliff notes, if you will, mm-hmm. and then um, not only that, but how you implement them or how you help entrepreneurs and, and C-suite executives implement that strategy into their daily practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, when I was um, really engaged and feeling great about working at Johnson & Johnson, one of the things that really worked for me was feeling like I was part of something. Mm-hmm. I was part of something bigger than myself. We were all in it together. I, I knew where we were going. I knew all the good, bad, and ugly of, of the situation. And that made me totally engaged in what I was doing. I remember I could remember walking in thinking, I, how lucky am I? I love my job. And so many people go through life not loving their job. And I went through a phase of that as well in uh, the last years of my corporate life. So I think getting people engaged is really key. And the only way I think you can get them engaged, engaged is by having trust in that relationship. I, I do believe that trust is the foundation of all great relationships. So the acronym stands for transparency, meaning people need to know that you're not in it for yourself, that that you're not holding back any information, there's no hidden agenda, um, that it's all out there. And also that allows people to make better decisions. It allows people to take advantage of opportunities and handle crisis because they have all the information they need. Mm-hmm. Um, results is about not necessarily the final results, obviously those are important, but the milestones along the way, the um, checking in, the encouraging, the course correction that's needed along the way so that it's not just showing up at the end and saying you did it or you didn't do it. Understanding is just about understanding where people are coming from, whether it's your customers, your clients, your audience, or the people on your team. We all have things we're going through, and so having some understanding of that and being able to um, support in any way possible is important. Simplify. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's so much going on in life that, you know, as, as simple as we can make it, give people their goals, let them focus on it. And then team. It's really not about you as the leader, as the owner, as the entrepreneur. It's about your team and how you're helping everybody be successful, whether it's your customers or your internal team. And too often I, I see leaders either take credit for the team's actions right. or point out where the team messed up. And it really should be the opposite. It's about giving credit and taking responsibility. For right, team. right. And there's a lot of inherent emotional intelligence in this system mm-hmm. that you're working with your people on, right? There's open communication, there's genuineness, there's the the concept of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. being empathetic. All of those things are inherent in the system. Are you finding that the majority of people, without giving away any any, uh, without naming the innocent, so mm-hmm. to speak, or without naming anyone, so that we protect the innocent, are you finding that these people are coming usually from a place that you know? I would imagine they've reached a certain pinnacle, so to speak, a certain summit in their careers, and maybe they're plateauing a little bit. And those are the types of individuals that you're helping kind of get out of a funk. Yeah, I think it's, um, I I do think that happens. People get, um, maybe it's a comfort level, you know, they kind of get into a routine or get into a way of doing things or communicating in a certain way, and don't even realize that maybe they've gone a little off course to where they wanted to be or where they were. I, I, you know, the, the S for simplify, it sounds easy, right? It's simple, right? But um, 
the reality is that people, I think, try to complicate, they complicate it too much. I'm supposed to act a certain way as a leader or an owner. I'm supposed to communicate in a certain way. I'm not supposed to show my flaws or that I don't know how to do something. And I think it's through authenticity and showing some vulnerability that you do build that trust. And so sometimes (laughs) one of the things I often hear from, from my clients is, well, that person, they're not doing their job. I can't believe they're not getting job, their job done. I said, well, I say often, have you talked to them about your expectations? They say, well, no, they've been doing it for 10 years. They should know what they're doing. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, hey, you know, I, I really I want to know what you're doing. Tell me how you're doing it. What do you think you're supposed to be doing? Here's what I need you to do. And oftentimes it's a simple conversation. To things up. <laughs> a lot of times it's just that breakdown in communication. Mm-hmm. And, and people get caught up also in what they have going on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and tend to forget that other people also have stuff going on. Right. That's and the that understanding. becomes an issue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm learning a lot already. Um, so what tools aside from that do you use to help uh, entrepreneurs or executives gain self-awareness clarify their goals, achieve their development objectives, and then unlock their full potential. And invariably, unlock the potential of their team is really the the ultimate objective, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Well, there certainly are a number of different tools out there that can be used. And and interestingly, you know, for your audience, too, they don't have to cost a lot of money. Right. Um, there are, uh, I think I know of at least six or seven leadership assessments online that are free or less than a hundred dollars, um, to, to do. And it's a great investment to find out Mm -hmm. where, you know, or it it might just be confirmation, but it might also uncover some things that you're not aware of. So I, I think some of those strength finder type tools are important. I also, um, I personally like the disc personality assessment, behavioral assessment, because it's really enlightening for people, not only to confirm what their behavior style, their communication style is, but to understand how it impacts other people. You know, just as a very quick example, a, a D in DISC is dominant, and they are very straightforward, very results-oriented. There's not a lot of fluff there. I, I had one client who, who told me that his boss, if he could include everything in the subject line of an email, she would be happy <laughs> with that. She was a super, super D. Um, but on the other hand, the S is more of a person that is more social, is more needs a little, um, needs to go at, needs to be wined and dined before they get hit with the, with the information. So it might start, you know, the difference in the conversation would be the D would say, Hey, I need you to get this done. I need it by tomorrow. I'll see you then where the S might say, Hey, so how was your weekend? Everything going well with you? And, you know, <laughs> by the way, I need to get this thing done. Would you mind doing, when do you think you can get it done? You know? So it's a whole different approach. So I think, uh, leaders and entrepreneurs need to understand how they communicate, and also how they might need to adjust their communication based on their customer, client, or team member. Right. Depending on who you're talking to, you you almost need to speak a new language mm-hmm. to, to really communicate effectively and to make sure that everyone understands exactly what's expected of them mm-hmm. and yes. who's accountable for what. Right. Yes, exactly. And Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think another thing to do, um, I do think 360s are, are, are important. If you do have a um, a team, uh, as an entrepreneur, if you have a team and, you know, usually it needs to be of a certain size because there is some anonymity to it that makes it effective. What's a 360 for those who don't know? I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So a 360 is where, um, there's a survey sent out to all the people, 
It could be colleagues, peers, customers, similar to what I described as doing for myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the the uh, person would, the leader would also fill one out. And it's just, again, to talk about how are you being perceived by your people? And it's, it's very enlightening to, um, to find out what others are thinking. It's, it's, it's talk about being vulnerable. It's kind of the ultimate. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the good thing is you can read those behind closed doors. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't, well, you should take it personally, but you can't hold it against people. Exactly. It, you know, it, right. It just is what it is. Yeah, you want the honest, um, constructive, hopefully, feedback so that you can learn to grow and adapt and and hopefully fill those gaps that other people are finding in you, right? Right, yes. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, your communication is your responsibility, Mm -hmm. not everyone else's. It's not your employee or your team's responsibility to understand the mm-hmm. hieroglyphics that you've been uh, <laughs> spouting out in your emojis, right? right. Yes. How did they not know the wink face meant <laughs> I wanted this done by tomorrow? Right. Um, yeah. So what are the best practices for an entrepreneur to assess their own strengths and weaknesses? Well, I think that um, b- beyond those kind of 360 strength finder type tools, I do think talking to their people, I think making themselves accessible, listening and listening non-defensively. You know, I had a, a old boss who um, he was actually the leader of one of the J and J companies. Great guy, and then he got into that role, which was very high pressure. It kind of changed him a little bit, but uh, he used to say to me, "You know, I have an open door policy. Anybody could come in anytime and talk. Why don't people come in and talk?" To me? <laughs> uh, and I unfortunately had to be the one to tell him because they're scared to death of you. Right? And he said, "What do you mean? I'm I'm an easygoing, nice guy to talk to." And I said, you can be, <laughs> but uh, sometimes when you don't hear what you know you want to hear, you let people know that, and it 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 turns people away. Interesting. And so I think, you know, and 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 actually from that point on, he had I wasn't at his level, but he had someone at his meetings. He asked who he confided and said, "Look, here's what I'm working on. I need you to check me on it, and after the meeting, just give me some feedback on how I did." And then the response to any feedback you get constructive just needs to be, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that with me. It can't be defensive. You can't try to explain yourself. No rebuttal. <laughs> right. You just have <laughs> to accept it and uh, and try to get better. Did it work? Yeah, I think he, he did get better. I mean, ultimately, he moved to a different role, which was less pressure, and he's back to his normal self. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's funny that you brought that up because I was actually going to ask if that was sort of the toughest one, do you think, to overcome when when an individual is a classic D, going back to that disc assessment um, in D, but we by D we mean dominant, yes. right? Not mm. any other D words. <laughs> and um, although they could be yeah, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um, so when you have a dominant individual, are they usually the toughest ones to get to accept constructive criticism and just mm-hmm. let it sit and, and kind right. of ingest it without firing back yeah that they they definitely can be and and uh frankly i am an s uh, supportive of the disc uh model and i find d's the most difficult to deal with because they're very aggressive and i'm more of a can't we all just get along yeah, collaborator kind of guy, <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs> yeah um but what i found that i need to adjust my style so when i am talking to them and coaching them i I don't sugarcoat it. I have to go right between the eyes with them too and tell them directly. It's still, they still need to pull it through and carry it on in their daily lives. And sometimes it's not so easy for them, you know, and, and that's also why in something like that, in a case like that, I would just 
have them focus on that one thing. Let's forget about everything else for now because it's a big thing and it's a big change for that kind of personality. Right, because it's incredibly difficult to, the point was evident in the story that you were telling it's incredibly difficult to get buy-in from your team when they're all terrified of you. <laughs> right. Yes, that's true. And it's not, you're not going to have an engaged team. You're right. not going to have that t- kind of team, that trust and authenticity and um, that, that that will bring to your team. And right. Just, and you're not going to get great results out of that. You're no. just going to get exactly what you expect. Right. Much. They're just doing what they hope you wanted them to do. <laughs> right. The bare minimum to not get whacked. Right. <laughs> yes. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so when, when you do have an entrepreneur or an executive that you're working with and you're working on these types of things, you know, identifying strengths and weaknesses using the various tools, how do you get them to ensure that they're then taking action after the fact, holding Mm -hmm. themselves accountable to those changes that they need to make? Right. Well, you know, through executive coaching, um, I typically will have a three month or six month engagement and then often it's extended from that. But those are either weekly or biweekly meetings with with my Mm -hmm. clients. And we'll have really specific homework assignments that they'll do between sessions. And I try not to keep it, I try to keep it to one or two things at the most because it's hard to focus on on a lot of different things at once. And each week I start the next call off with, so you are working on communicating with people. How did that go? Give me some specific examples. Um, in some extreme cases, I might have them send me an email when they've had that kind of interaction that they've had to either where they have exercised the control they were looking for, or maybe they didn't and how they realized it and what they did about it. Okay. One other thing too, though, I think is really key in leadership is, um, and I've mentioned a couple of times, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect. The, the the person I spoke about, he still is going to rip people's heads off every <laughs> now and then. <laughs> right. But the ability to come back and say, hey, you know what? I didn't handle that as well as I should have. I apologize for that. I'm working on it. Let's try it again is really important. And um, I think that brings people, brings leaders and their teams together uh, very well. That's actually probably, and I'll get your feedback on this. In my opinion, that's one of the biggest factors in the ability to change, grow, and adapt to new circumstances is not to get bogged down by your failures, which is sort of the overarching theme in a way of what we're talking about here, right? Not allowing your failures to to creep up and destroy your practice. And the same is true when it comes to, for example, meditation, um, dieting, any sort of lifestyle change type of thing. I, I happen to have a mentor who who helps me with a variety of those things as well. And a lot of times we'll talk about, you know, incorporating a meditation practice and I'm certainly not perfect, no question. And, you know, there, there are times where I'm better at it and more consistent than others. And frequently he'll just say, stop worrying about that. Mm -hmm. Just get right back on the bicycle. Yeah. And that's the only way that you're going to learn how to Mm -hmm. ride efficiently is to stop worrying about every time that you fall or that you take a misstep or that, you know, you, you fell off the wagon, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Is that the right term? I never know if it's off the wagon or on the wagon. I'm not sure either, but (laughs) I I got the concept. But yeah, yeah, either, either way, (laughs) um, whichever way the bad one is, just Uh get over it and start over, right? Start, start Mm -hmm. from scratch and say, okay day one again and just keep going. Do you find that that helps with, with your, uh, clients as well? Yes, absolutely. In fact, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm about to post an article, um, that's called next play coach K from Duke university basketball. That's his mantra. 
Brilliant. And it is that regardless of whether it was good or bad, it's done. You've got to look forward. And he feels like actually his team's competitive advantage over the years was their ability to forget about the last play, learn from it one way right. or the other, right. but focus on the next play. So I Brilliant. totally agree with you. Brilliant advice. Hmm. Um, so what are the, the best ways for people to search for and to address the areas they may need to change about themselves? Aside from the, we've talked about sort of strength and weaknesses, assessments, um, disc assessments, 360 assessments, but are there other tools that people can use to kind of introspect for lack of a better mm -hmm. term and figure out, you know, what are the things I need to change to improve and to be better for others around me? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think we've touched on a lot of the tools that are out there, at least that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are more than that. I think though, the number one thing is to, um, challenge yourself and open yourself up to that. So, after a particularly successful or unsuccessful situation, I think there's value in saying, well, what, what was good about that and what went wrong, you know, if that were the case, and how might I address it differently? Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned having a mentor. I think it's really important to have a, a mentor, someone who's going to be honest with you, someone who's going to um, tell you when th you're not right and someone who's going to support you when you need support and encourage you when things are going well also. Um, you know, it, it, I think that person sometimes can be a family member, although I think a lot of times emotion gets in the way and bias gets in the way. Um, certainly there are mentors out there that are objective, whether it's former colleague or, or, or a peer, that's great. Or in some cases, if I may, a coach, an executive coach might be <laughs> yeah, a good course, way to go. Of course, of <laughs> course. Now, that, that was going to be my next question. I ask this frequently of a lot of our guests sometimes. What, in your opinion, aside from, you know, an executive coach, I think you're right, is a good way because you're paying someone essentially to cut the bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what people are paying you for. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the other ways that people can go out and find a solid mentor, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're running an organization, sometimes that can be a little bit isolating. Mm -hmm. And a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with mental health issues, struggle with this whole, you know, the pressures of entrepreneurialism, mm -hmm. um, the the pressure to continually innovate, to continually try to grow and push yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so for someone like that, what's the best way to find a solid mentor? Mm, that's a great question. You know, I think there's a parallel to being an entrepreneur and being in career transition. And uh, uh, one of the lines which I have, I've adopted as my own, I may actually have uh, created it, which surprised me because it's to be honest, have, if I do say so myself, it sounds kind of <laughs> profound. And that is, I say, isolation is the enemy of the unemployed. But isolation, I think, is also the enemy of the entrepreneur. Um, and I've done a number of talks where I put that quote up and ask anybody if they know who said it. Nobody knows. So I'm, I'm taking it. To <laughs> it's mine. Um, but I do think it is true. And I think an entrepreneur, if, you're, if you stay within your own world, you're going to have more challenges. You're going to let that voice in your head dominate. And oftentimes it's not a positive thing. Right. Um, you're going to be limited in your creativity and your innovation. And it's, it's just not a good situation. So I think there are so many areas now where you can go to find support and help, whether it's in networking groups, going on meetup.com to find entrepreneurial groups, business groups in your specific um, marketplace, I think if you look back on your history, there are people I'm sure that you've 
worked with, interacted with. It could be through a volunteer organization that you've just respected and been impressed by them. And I think when you go and you ask someone if they would be your mentor, it's it's very flattering. I think people, for the most part, would say, wow, you, you care what I think about and would be more than happy to um, to support. Another parallel with the job search, I think, with an entrepreneur is that you need to be specific, though, in what you're asking for. Um, you know, if you're not going to get the help you need if you can't articulate to people where the struggle is or what it is you're looking for from right, them. Right. So I think that's important, too, to, to be clear on that. And to some degree, in uh, I've heard this frequently, that in a mentor-mentee relationship, the mentor oftentimes is getting a lot out of that relationship as well. And so the mentee, or if you're the individual looking for a mentor, you really got to think about what's the value add it, without beating yourself up, right? Because at the same time, it, it could be a crutch if you're sitting there, oh, I'm not going to bring any value to this relationship, so you don't even ask. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it in the context of get past this whole BS in your brain about not asking to begin with, mm-hmm. but how can I add value to this person's life or what value can I bring to this relationship? That's going to help to mm-hmm. get you more candidates that are willing to say yes. Yes. And, and I will say too that you know, this might sound a little Pollyanna or uh, such, but I really do. Everybody's got something to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going in to talk to somebody who you think is much more accomplished than you and you think, oh, I, what could I possibly offer them? Well, we talked earlier about imposter syndrome. We talked earlier about the fact that not you know people have strengths and weaknesses. Um, everybody can benefit from something you have, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, especially, you know, having been fortunate enough to interview people like yourself and other entrepreneurs for this podcast, you get to hear everybody's story and you realize, even though there are similarities in everyone in, in the things that we all have going on, a lot of times there are literally as many stories as there are individuals on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah. got a unique experience and a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, I, I'm always fascinated by that when you see these people that, boy, they're so together. They're, I, I'll give you an example. Actually, my um, we have very good friends. One is a cardiologist on the heart transplant team at the uh, University of Pennsylvania. And the other is the uh, the dean of biomedical engineering at Emory University. Wow. <laughs> really uh, accomplished people. The The woman uh, is a, is my f- good friend from high school's wife. Mm-hmm. And she recently said to my wife, who is a stay-at-home mom, a professional photographer, uh, said to my wife, I was so intimidated when I first met you and the rest of the the guy's wives. And my wife was thinking, you're, you're dean of a biomedical engineering. How wow. could you be intimidated by me? Um, the point of it, from my perspective, is that everybody has their stuff. Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. doesn't matter wow. how accomplished you are. Uh, it was my, my wife was totally intimidated with her. I didn't realize <laughs> that the, the feeling was mutual. <laughs> they were reciprocating intimidation. <laughs> yes. That's uh, funny. So now looking at all of this stuff, right, it's kind of intangible in a lot of ways. So what metrics can people use when they're working on these types of situations? What metrics can people use or what metrics do you use to help your clients identify um, and measure their performance and sort of their improvement focus or to measure the shift in other people's perf- perception of these individuals? Yeah, well, I think, I think that's one of the reasons why people hesitate to invest 
in leadership development or in their own personal professional development is because they don't know where to look and they don't know what they're going to get back for it. I mean, any entrepreneur, right? You need to have a return on your investment. That's the first <laughs> thing. And sometimes it's hard to put your finger on how does leadership development put more money in my pocket? And I think that's the first thing. You have to look at it as an investment, not a cost, because you if it's if it is a cost, then you really do think about whether you need to do it or not. If it's an investment that you're going to get a good return on, you should consider it. So there are different areas that that people need to look at. You need to look at your business needs. What's what's happening in your business where you might need this? It might be that you have a lot of turnover mm -hmm. in your company. Um, it might be that your sales are sluggish. It could be productivity is down. And so if you think about all those types of business needs, um, they are all measurable. So if you are going for leadership development because you feel like you have a lot of turnover and you need to identify why is the turnover there what can i do to change it how am i impacting that then you might be then you would be able to say okay if my turnover today is 20% 6 months from now i want it to be 15% or 10% and that might be one measurement that you could use your sales clearly is an easy way to measure sales productivity probably somewhat similar mm -hmm. so i think the first thing you need to do before you even decide whether to invest or not is to identify the business needs and I would argue that any business need can be addressed by or should be addressed by leadership and then decide, is there a coach or a mentor out there that can help me um, impact that? Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And what are your top three tips for developing strategic business, strategic business initiatives to support ongoing growth? Ongoing growth of the business? And the, we'll do both ongoing growth of the business and then ongoing growth of the individuals that you work with on a regular basis. Okay. Well, I think that, you know, especially today's world is a, it's a different business world than it was a while back. Um, and a lot of it, I think, comes from having interaction with your clients and with your team. And so having regular check-ins, um, first from a, from a business perspective, um, whether it's customer feedback surveys, whether it's specifically just going out right out and asking customers, what do they need? What do they want? How are you delivering on that? Uh, it comes back to being vulnerable again, right? Asking, what am I doing? What am I doing well? And what do I need to do better in order to improve our relationship? Um, I think when you look at your teams, I think one of the really important things to do is is to have, I really believe in regularly scheduled one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct reports. Um, and I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what, what your business is. I think that a lot of times I hear from people, well, I see them every day. We're always talking about stuff. They call me all the time. And it's not that. These one-on-one -on -one meetings need to be more meetings about how are you doing? Mm -hmm. How am I doing? What can I do to help you out? What's getting in your way of being successful? What is it you want out of life that I can help you with? And then subsequent meetings are keeping on track with that and helping people. When you do that, whether it's a customer or a direct report, you're telling people you care. You're, you're building that engagement. You're building that trust. Um, you understand where they're coming from and what they need from you. And that um, will definitely lead to a successful business. Amazing. And I think it's also interesting that you bring up that, you know, you need to be getting this constant feedback. And if you can't internalize that feedback, you're never going to grow. It's better to get the feedback from the word of your, from directly from 
your team, directly from your clients or customers, mm -hmm. directly from your your um, stakeholders, mm -hmm. rather than to hear about it in lack of sales. Yes, at the end of the year, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. it, or or to your point, to see those turn turnover numbers climb, mm -hmm. to see those negative factors, then you're going to have a much harder time overcoming that yeah. that feedback when you get it in the real world. Yeah, you know, it's it's a matter of um, you asked earlier about measuring um, your development or measuring your growth. Mm -hmm. And it's about lagging indicators versus leading indicators, right? The lagging indicators are those, those, that feedback you get along the way. Uh, I'm sorry, those are leading indicators, the lagging indicators when you, when it's, it's over. <laughs> okay. Yeah, too late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing I can do about it. So I think it's important that you have both, uh, measurements to see how you're doing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today. We really appreciate it. If people are looking to get in contact with you or looking to reach out or want more information about coaching, what's the best way to reach out? Um, well, first of all, thank you, Tony. I've had a great time. I kept, time really flew for me. I Likewise. hope for your listeners you. yeah, as absolutely. well. As they flew for me as well. <laughs> um, and uh, I'd be happy to talk to anyone. Uh, feel free to reach out to me at Ken at SureCoaching.com. It's S-H-E-R Coaching.com. They could go to my website and see information there and reach out to me through there as well. I am I love talking to people. Uh, the first call is uh, really just to get to know each other, and I I can't help but be a coach. So I I tell people when we have a initial conversation, you will get something out of it. I promise you that you'll there's something you can do from that conversation to make you better, and uh, there's no charge for that one. So uh, I just love meeting people, talking to people, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I can attest to that. Certainly, actually, we met. I think how did we meet? I don't. I don't yeah. even remember. But anyways, our initial meeting, uh, we sat down and you immediately just, you you helped me to open up immediately just from that initial friendly interaction yeah. and uh, and offered me some great advice right off right off the bat. Yeah. And it, it, I really, like I say, I love doing that. My, my family doesn't seem to appreciate it quite as much, but uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I can already tell where the 360 feedback is, what, the, what it's going to be from them. That's right. right. Exactly. It's a little different. That's a separate category. <laughs> awesome. So at the end of our show, we always play a little wrap-up game to get to know you on a more personal level. It's called First, Last, Best, and Worst. So I'll throw two categories at you. Give me the first one, the last one, most recent one, the best one in your experience, and then the worst. And you can always spin the worst positively or, <laughs> or just hit us with, with a, a true-to-life worst moment for you. Okay. So uh, first, last, best, and worst entrepreneurial challenges you faced. Um, first was, uh, figuring out where to start, <laughs> having never done it before. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, trial and error and, and learning. And, and actually that's one of the great things about being a coach is that every time I coach someone, you mentioned it earlier, uh, that the mentor often gets something out of it. So I learned from every business yeah. I've been in Absolutely. and those experiences I'm able to share with someone. So I think the first one is taking that first step and, just going. <laughs> <laughs> How about the the most recent one, the entrepreneurial challenge you're facing now? Um, well, the entrepreneurial challenge I'm facing is I'm, I'm balancing between two worlds. Um, one is that career transition world and one is the executive coaching world. I personally see it all under a career management or professional management kind of umbrella. Um, and I have coached some clients who, if they've signed up for a six-month career transition plan, they get hired in three months. I'm with them the next three months, helping them transition into their new role. So to me, that's where I want to get to is helping people throughout their entire career and just getting the right message across that 
that covers that for both sets of people is, is, is a challenge. Wonderful. And how about the best one, best entrepreneurial challenge you've faced so far in your best journey? Best meaning most successful? Yeah. What, however you define best. Well, I would say that for me, what's really been helpful is some of the partnerships I've had. And, um, you know, whether it's with Velocity Advisory Group, I'm also working with a company called CCI. So I get contract work that way. And that's taken some of the financial pressure off of me developing my private practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think having joint ventures with people, um, contracting with people, partnering with people, it can serve multiple purposes, help you to get out to a wider audience, but also maybe alleviate some of the pressures that you're feeling. That's great. Your own business. Great. All right. How about the worst one? If there is one. Um, The worst one. Well, the worst one is, is taking on a client that I knew I shouldn't have taken on, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the type of person who, um, they just right from the start, they're disagreeable, they're confrontational. And, and I know that's their issue and I'm trying to help them with that. And yet they, they feel like they're still not getting what they deserve or what they need. And that, I think it's hard to turn away business, especially when you're first starting out. Right. But there are times where, Bad clients can be a, a drain on everything you do. Understandable. Absolutely. All right. How about the first, last, best, and worst coaching moments? Hmm. Okay. The first coaching moments I've had, uh, I guess, was around career transition with people. And um, I guess in particular, helping uh, this one client actually uh, with his interviewing skills. He's an introvert. He was very uncomfortable promoting himself. Um, we did a lot of work practicing interviewing and uh, recently found out he got a job with a, a top corporation and oh, uh, he's got a wife and two kids and uh, he was getting nervous there and I was too, but uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to say that he's landed. And that to me is why I do what I do. When I see people be successful personally or their businesses, uh, that's, that's, that I fa- I've re-found, rediscovered my passion that I had uh, years ago. Oh, it's great. Now, how about the most recent um, coaching experience or moment that you're kind of going through? Um, I'm actually working with this uh, guy who's in the construction industry, um, and he is struggling with uh, his, the company leadership really likes him, sees he has potential, Mm -hmm. thus they've hired me as his executive coach, Mm -hmm. but he's had some internal conflict with people and he's talk to me even about leaving the company. You know, I can't take this anymore. Um, But he has some special skills that the company needs. So he and I have been working on developing a business plan where he could actually spin off his own company from this. Hmm. Um, And I just had a call with him this morning where the owner of the company said, I want, that sounds great. I want to see a business plan. So he and I are putting together this business plan. So where this guy was thinking he was going to leave, maybe start out on his own, he's now looking for ways to help this company grow and be part of it as an owner. So that's very exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah. That's great. Uh, How about the best coaching moment or experience that you can remember? Um, you know, maybe because it's so recent, this guy I told you about earlier who just got this job. The, the reason I say is he was working for a retail company and he actually mm-hmm. had worked his way up over 15 years to general manager of a store, but they, he, he ran into a bad boss um, and his life was miserable. He was working seven days a week. He wasn't seeing his kids. And through our conversation, I didn't, I would never advise him to do this, but in my head, I was thinking, you got to leave that company. So he decided to leave and he just resigned. Um, and it was a big chance that he took. 
So to get that phone call that he got this offer, uh, it's just, uh, I feel great about it for him and his family. How about the worst one? Is there a worst one? Well, it's worse in that, uh, the worst one in that I, um, I take all my clients very personally. Once I'm with somebody, I, I don't watch a clock. I don't, I, I, I like to think that I don't worry about myself. <laughs> I want what's best for them. And if they succeed, I feel great about it. Right. And I have this one client who's a bit older um, and has been, after 18 years with a major corporation, was let go and has been out of work for almost two years. Um, this person signed two different contracts with me. And with the second one, I said, look, it, I'm, not, I'm not cheap, <laughs> right? So sign this contract and I'm going to stay with you until you get the next job. There's no ending for this one. And so I've been with them. They feel like they're close to something now, but it's just been such a long time. And, you know, this person at their age is concerned and rightfully so. And I, I, I worry about them as well. So I guess that's the worst experience because it's so out of my control. I, right. I wish there was something I could do to help. Right. What area are they in? Maybe someone that's listening might be able oh, to that's help. Great. That they were in um, enterprise sales for a large um, uh, computer software company mm-hmm. uh, and trying to get back in. And and I I know this person is smart, hardworking, and I know could do well. Um, you know, sometimes I wish I could be in there when they're talking to see, am I missing something? What right. is it? But right. sometimes there is ageism out there too. And there that's is, true. There right. is... Um, Isms of all kind, racism, sexism, <laughs> yeah, but so people need to find a way over that. Interesting. Well, hopefully they'll, uh, with your guidance, we'll, we'll find something soon. I'm not giving up on it. Um, if anyone's listening that may be interested in someone to do enterprise sales uh, for SaaS products, I guess. Yeah, software in yep. general. Mm-hmm. Uh, for software products, please reach out. You can uh, contact me at Tony at selfmadestrategies.com or Ken at surecoaching.com, S. H-E-R coaching.com to inquire about that opportunity. Well, thanks again, Ken. This was really fantastic. Again, I appreciate your time. This was, this was great. Well, thank you, Tony. I, I had a great time as well. So appreciate you asking me to be on the show. Awesome. This episode of Self Paint Strategies was edited and produced by Lux Podcast Productions. Lux is a creative audio suite that helps clients create, market, and their show. Visit luxpodcasts.com to learn how a podcast can benefit your organization. That's L-U-X-E podcast.